0: But in pregnancy, if you're struggling and, and not sleeping well, do, yes, we need to like listen to our body and get rest, but creating some consistency for you might be indicated because consistency also helps regulate our nervous system. Predictability helps regulate our nervous system. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee,
1: women's mental cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers and guide you back into your cyclical nature. This is the Well Woman podcast episode 247. Today, we are talking about a really important topic around pregnancy. This is part of our pregnancy series, and that is sleep. Now, I've invited my beautiful Canadian friend, Dr. Leah Saunders, back on the show to talk about sleep. She is an amazing sleep expert, and I'll get into more about who she is in a moment. But this is her third rodeo and return to the Well Woman podcast. So if you want to tune in and discover more about sleep beyond just this conversation around pregnancy and postpartum. Tune in to her first episode on the show, which was episode 145, and that's about sleep's impact on your menstrual cycle. We also have her joining us for episode 223, where we talk about sleep cycles from menarche to menopause and how our sleep changes throughout different stages of our menstrual life. So from being a teenager to being in our 50s. Two amazing episodes to get great foundations of sleep. So if you're here to junk out on all the sleep stuff, they're two episodes to tune into. But Dr. Leah Saunders had to come and talk about this particular topic in this series because she's a naturopathic doctor who's obsessed with all things sleep. She's the creator of The Sleep Fix, the program that helps women uncover the real often hormonal reasons, they're not sleeping so they can fix it themselves. She has a private practice in Canada, lives in Ontario and helps women gain energy, balance their moods and regulate their hormones to have deep, luscious, beautiful sleep. She's on a mission to help women and menstruators discover their sleep and move from exhaustion to fulfillment All in one good night's sleep. So, in this episode, we are talking about how our sleep changes from preconception right through to post birth, the important transitions that occur in our body as we're moving through trimesters one, two, and three, and how sleep plays a role in our preconception care phase. But much deeper than that, we talk about the beliefs that are influencing our sleep. What are we tolerating with our sleep? And what are the messages of sleep? So, This is a really powerful episode, and I strongly recommend you check out the other two episodes, episode 145 and episode 223, along with this this episode here about pregnancy sleep and the sleep changes our body goes through. Dr. Leah, welcome back again, and I should say again
0: and again (laughs) to the Well Woman podcast. It's wonderful to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Gemma. It's always a pleasure to connect and be here.
1: Mm -hmm. I love chatting with you. I do have to admit you're one of like a guest I very, very, very much look forward to chatting with. And I'm really honored to have you a part of this pregnancy series because we were just chatting before we hit record. Sleep is such an important topic and a lot of people just focus on sleep before you know, sorry, once they've had the baby. And so it's in that postpartum sleep. But what about pregnant women and sleep? So before we get into that, let's, for people who are learning about you and just tuning into this podcast, just for this series, who are you, Dr. Leah? Mm-hmm. And how who are, and you, I? who are you and how are you a sleep expert? Like how did this mm. come about?
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. I am so obsessed with helping women get better sleep. And where that came from was my own struggle with insomnia, and my, in, in particular, my postpartum experience. So this topic is very near and dear to my heart. So like many women and people who are pregnant experience through their pregnancy, there's, there's a strong narrative or narratives around all the things, right? What to expect during your pregnancy, what to expect in transitioning into motherhood and postpartum and beyond. And some of those things are positive, but unfortunately a lot of the time we hand down and share negative narratives from our own challenging experiences. And what i love untangling with women as it relates to their sleep is like what are these beliefs that we hold that actually are influencing our every thought and behavior and action so if we observed our own mothers working themselves to the bone and sacrificing their own health or or personal well-being at the convenience or for the well-being of others, they were absolutely doing their best. They were they were working hard for you and to provide. I have no doubt, and they had the intention of passing on a very strong and positive lesson. Right, like work hard and you can provide and you can make a difference and whatnot. But what do we do? We internalize that lesson as everything has to be hard it like life has to be a struggle motherhood has to be a struggle i'm only worthy i'm only a good mom i'm only a good wife i'm only a good partner i'm only a good person if i'm pleasing everyone i'm doing everything and e- for everyone else and that means my needs and desires are not as important as others i don't deserve that it's selfish to take time or put energy into me and the narrative continues right? Yeah, it does. It, it goes on and on and on. So most of the women I work with land in my office in person or virtually <laughs> after five, 10, 15 plus years of, of being really tired of doing that and, and tired of taking care of everyone and everything else and tired of everything, feeling hard and tired of everything being a struggle and they don't even recognize themselves truthfully. And, and will say that, like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't even recognize my body. I don't feel good in my body. Like what happened? Right. And so then we have this beautiful opportunity to untangle those core beliefs because you're ever, if you've ever said the words like, Oh, I know what I should do, but I just need to do it. Or I'm on and off track. I just need to get back on track again. Like there's a reason why you're not taking the action that you want and need to be taking. And it's it's rooted in a core belief of, Perhaps you think you're not worthy of that, or that you don't deserve that, or you're not good enough for that, or it's selfish if you do it, or whatnot. So it's gonna f- seem at first you're like, why? What, what? are we supposed to be talking about sleep? <laughs> but I promise it comes back to that, and where it comes back is we create beliefs based on what we're taught. Beliefs are just thoughts that you've thought over and over and over again. So when we're taught or told things like, "Oh, you're pregnant," <laughs> sucks, hey eh? Like, <laughs> right? Like. Or what? Just, oh, just wait until that happens. This happens like, Oh, enjoy. What I heard was enjoy your sleep now. Cause you're not going to get it once your baby comes. And once you're a mom and Oh, once you're a mom, this, that, and the other, right. Like we're, we, other people paint that picture for us because they're jaded. And maybe they haven't done the inner transformational work to be like, to say what we said when we, before we hit record and be like, becoming a mother is the most transformational experience on every single level. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like an ultimate upleveling.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it requires a constant recreation of yourself. Constant. From the moment of conception, like the physical changes that you go through, through like all the emotional, and then like yeah, just wait, right? And it's true, but we can look at that from like oh, a victim mentality, and like why is all of this happening, or why am I struggling, or why is this so hard for me, or you know, everyone else seems to have it figured out, or whatever, or or ask a different question and be willing to shift our perception. And I I was not there. Like I was not even close. I, we said like, we're such different people now than we were five years ago, 10 years ago. So my youngest is 18 months. My oldest is five years. So in becoming a mom the first time I was so naive. (laughs) Like I just had no idea. I actually had never changed a diaper (laughs) either. So like, I really, I really infer for a learning opportunity And I was a good sleeper up until that point. And sure. I experienced like the changes to my sleep that are common in pregnancy due to like, you know, getting bigger and uncomfortable and having to pee and all the things. And then once I moved into that postpartum phase and my sleep was uncontrollably interrupted, my son was not a great sleeper. I started to like, I managed okay in the first bit, but then around the three, four month postpartum mark, I return back to work, which is a common time that babies go through sleep. Some people will call it a regression. Some people will say progression, right? School of thought. So it's like it's just a classic time when their sleep changes and they're more aware of their environment and are more likely to wake. So this was also when my husband was turning, transitioning into parental leave because I'm self-employed, which meant I didn't get any benefit coverage or like paid leave. I had to create that for myself. So at that point that had come to an end and I was returning back to managing a clinic, being a doctor, adjusting to life as a new mom being, and, and still wanting to like, you know, be a supportive partner and good wife and also have that time to connect with and support myself. And at one point, in the depths of my sleep deprivation, I couldn't remember the last time I had slept for more than an hour and a half. Cause my sleep was like so constantly broken and I showed up and I can still remember the morning of like showing up and my staff who was also a mom was like, how are you? And I was like, hey. <laughs> and I just started crying because I'm like, I can't, I'm so tired. I cannot function mm. and on a different day. And I can't actually remember if this was before or after it doesn't matter, but. Another colleague was like, are you okay? Cause you don't really see like, seem like yourself. And you know how we usually go through and are like, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. There's something. (laughs) Yes. Autopilot. Yeah. There's something magical about pregnancy and, and motherhood and, and what I am excited for through perimenopause and menopause. And I hear women talk about is like an unveiling. Yes. And this loss of tolerance, like you're just, you can see through bullshit and you are unwilling to tolerate. It's like the mama bear, right? You're like, Rawr. and so she asked me, I was like, how are you? And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Today I'm going to say, like, tell the truth. And I was like, I'm not okay. Like, I'm actually not okay. It is not normal to be trying to do everything that I'm trying to do and uphold like all the balls in the air and be running on like very little to no sleep. I'm so exhausted. I don't feel like I can take care of myself, let alone take care of others. I wake up in the morning in this like stressed, exhausted, anxious state and just pray that like, okay, tonight will be different. Maybe we'll get a bit more sleep. And then I started to develop a lot of anticipatory anxiety about sleep. So even thinking about going to bed, thinking about going to sleep, created anxiety, because I would worry about, how it would go. Mm. So, so then I was, as we always are (laughs) presented with an opportunity that never looks like an opportunity. It just looks like a mess. (laughs) And I remember I worked with my own naturopathic doctor at that time. And she was, and I remember asking her like, how do I get back to feeling like myself? And she, you know, she was like, how's your sleep? I'm like, man, nah, <laughs> because once my son started sleeping through the night and more consolidated, I still couldn't, or I would wake up and like anticipate that he would wake up. I would ruminate about things. And so she was like, we got to fix your sleep because until that is fixed, like, you're not going to feel like yourself. So I was like, okay, fine. And even as a naturopathic doctor, and I think I had been in practice for five years at that point, like, you know, bajillion years of school, all the things I was like, what do I do? (laughs) I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Like melatonin maybe. So that was the start of my journey. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I actually have no idea what to do, which means I'm not coming close to even supporting my patients if they have a sleep problem. So I started researching and listening to podcasts and I became so fascinated once I was like willing and could, could also handle that. Cause at first I was just like, anything about improving your sleep was like offensive to me because i was like, screw you people who can sleep well. And so I, I, I was like, no, okay. I need to do something about this. And, and I just fell in love with how sleep is the ultimate foundation of our health. And how, if we are not sleeping, we are not healing. We are not living to our fullest potential and capability. Even if you're like, well, this is all I know it to be. I've always been a bad sleeper. I only sleep four or five hours a night. Imagine how you would feel if you got more, if you're used to operating at that level. The only reason like that is normal or okay for you is because you're tolerating it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when I started on, like, I was like, is this Pandora's box? Like, this is magic. Why is (laughs) no one talking about this? And, and I started to appreciate also what I feel like we didn't learn. And that's like sleep impacts every single aspect of our health. So it doesn't actually matter if you have like high blood pressure or depression or anxiety or endometriosis or PCOS or, or, or it's like, if you're not sleeping or if you have one of those conditions Like you're more likely to have difficulty sleeping. So I started looking for colleagues and allies and I was like, okay, who else is like focusing on this so we can talk and I can understand. And there's like crickets. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to create this thing. And and like, (laughs) right. Like gift, right. Total gift. Because how often do we, do we sit in like, woe is me. Why me that happened to me. This sucks. Da, 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 da. I have spent many hours there, but that most difficult time of my life has actually been my greatest gift and greatest opportunity.
1: Special and so special, really special. And like you said, an opportunity, but at the time, you're like, What's the opportunity? I can't see any opportunity here, (laughs) and of course to backtrack exactly where you began with with the beliefs you know what are the beliefs you know that are influencing your thoughts and your behaviors i think that's a really great question we can ask about so many aspects of our lives particularly with sleep and to give everyone an example and you mentioned perimenopause and menopause and postmenopause mm-hmm. i think the menstrual cycle and all the changes in the menstrual cycle whether that's pregnancy birthing you know menarche first period becoming a woman, going through menopause, there's so much vomit that's put on these experiences. And I call them vomit because a lot of it's shit. And it's not a lived experience. It's often someone else has heard it. So, oh, well, you just wait. Like, you know, even if they're not a parent and they said, well, you should really just get as much sleep as you possibly can because you're not going to get any other sleep. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. that's possible. But it's also possible Mm -hmm. to get lots of sleep as a parent too. And- Mm -hmm. Everyone's experience is different. And I think we, if we begin looking at, well, what do I really believe? And do I believe that to be true for myself? Yes. We can actually start to change the narrative, like you mentioned. So the narrative of sleep is huge. And I, especially around motherhood, I think there's so much vomit put on that. And yes, every child is different, and every child's experience is different, and every child's integration into the world is different. And so that plays a, that plays a role, but let's talk about sleep itself Mm -hmm. and how important is sleep. So when it comes to pregnancy Mm -hmm. and conception and preconception, let's start at the beginning. Mm -hmm. How important do you think having a good night's sleep is for a preconception journey? Because a lot of people, when it comes to preconception, just think about like, well, I just need to know when I'm ovulating and I just need to
0: make mm-hmm. sure that I'm taking
1: prenatal. And I just do that two months before I conceive and that's fine. Right. So mm-hmm. why is sleep also an important aspect in that? Oh, so
0: good. Yeah. I wish I had a memory for statistics, so I can't quote statistics, but I do know that it's very clearly defined in the medical literature that if you are getting less than seven hours of sleep on a regular basis, that's considered sleep deprivation. So when, when I throw that term out there, people will be like, Oh, I must have to be like only getting two or three hours a night. It's like, no, the average person or like most, or at least half the population is, is getting less than seven hours a night. So when we see that and observe it in populations, you are much more likely to experience like any name, any disease infertility or fertility challenges being one of them. And it, it does come back to cycles and some of the most foundational pieces that we can take for granted or, or assume to be too simplistic, but even, even examples of, I think we may have even talked about this on a previous podcast of like when women are in nature as a group, like I, I remember reading a story, about like a woman on a boat or like it was a summer experience or a summer job or something. And they weren't. On, or exposed to technology or much artificial light. And so they just had the opportunity to be in sync with natural daylight rhythms and darkness and each other and all of their cycles synced and all of their cycles synced up with the lunar. Like we can't explain that, <laughs> like there's no test, right? So there's there's that element of like, there is, there is so much power in that regular cycle, but I also... I also don't want to be flippant and have anybody walk away or have be listening to this and think like, oh, my insomnia is the reason I'm not getting pregnant. Mm. It's right. It's all related. It's a, it's it's one of multiple aspects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people
1: try so hard with their food and they try so hard with detoxing and they just miss the simple thing of like, okay, maybe I just need to spend 45 minutes less scrolling on my phone before I go to bed mm-hmm. and buy that time back with nourishment. Mm-hmm. And people forget that sleep is about, it's like the middle of the night time. It's dark. It's about restoration, rejuvenation, you know, mm-hmm. renewal, resting itself. And sleep provides that like, hence why babies sleep so much because they're growing. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, back to you, I took over.
0: No, and that's true. <laughs> and that's what I was going to say as well, in terms of like, when we sleep, growth hormone is released. When we sleep, there's a different pattern of release of like luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone, right? We will see hormonal patterns change and menstrual cycle, like take shift work. If we need to use a more extreme Good example. example. Women who work shift work, who are out of sync with a natural daylight cycle and are constantly flip-flopping their body clock struggle. Women struggle way more than men too. And so what's super interesting is one example is of workplace accidents. So women are like twice as likely to be involved in a nighttime workplace accident, but the rates of women and men being in a workplace accident during the day are the same. Wow. Like- I get goosebumps talking about this stuff. I have goosebumps now. Right? I know. (laughs) So when we, and and shift work was like the first environmental factor to be validated and recognized by the world health organization as like a known and established carcinogen, there's a significant increased rate of breast cancer in, in, in particular in women nurses who work shift work. So we know that it plays a role, right? Like our light, dark exposure and the regularity and rhythms of our menstrual cycle, which obviously is going to impact ovulation. So if your cycle is becoming irregular and that's most likely going to be as it relates to ovulation, it's going to obviously impact your fertility journal journey too, or at least have the potential to.
1: Can I add a a slice in there for everyone to kind of like help the ball drop a little bit deeper (laughs) is that you know, a lot of people just think that the menstrual cycle just begins with the ovaries, but Mm. it really begins in your brain and people don't recognize like the HPO, HPG axis. So your hypothalamus communicating with your pituitary gland and your pituitary gland responds to light. And so without it turning into a different topic on the podcast, you can manipulate your pituitary gland by Mm. using light around you to change when you potentially ovulate in your menstrual cycle. You need to work with a very great educator to teach you how to do that individually. It's not something you learn in a group, but when it comes to that, if you just think about the night shift or you think about at nighttime, staying up till 10 o'clock and leaving all the lights on and then turning the lights off immediately and then trying to get to sleep, that's going to impact that not to mention your protrusion, your pineal gland are like best friends and they live very closely Mm -hmm. together. And they also have very important roles when it comes to sleep. So I think people just think, oh, but your menstrual cycle is all from the hips down, but it's Mm -hmm. not It's so much more. And your body, it's a whole body experience really.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And ovulation is the main event. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We always think so much about the period because it's the obvious or menstruation because it's the obvious, but like the most amount of energy and recruitment of, of energy. Yeah. Process. Like it's all about ovulation. Hmm. And the alignment
1: of all the hormones, Mm -hmm. the alignment of, do you feel safe and supported in your body is Mm -hmm. your, is your environmental Mm -hmm. aspect supporting that too? Because it's a whole kettle of fish.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's where I would go with the sleep piece. So Mm. I often say that sleep is the ultimate gauge of your nervous system. I like that. Again, sometimes there's, there's like, you know, specific factors, like your bladder is just full and you need to get up and go pee, <laughs> right? You're uncomfortable or whatnot. But if we look at that as like, oh, sleep, sleep is, is that gauge of my nervous system, because how often do we go through our day over overwhelmed, under-supported, like finding the... It's so hard to slow down and take a break feeling guilty for that. Why? Because of the narrative that we have to burn ourselves, right? To the brink of exhaustion that we have to give, that we have to people please and whatnot. So if your day is structured like that now, (laughs) and then you add kids to it, if you figure out a way how to do that, please let me know. I want to know your secrets, but in all seriousness, we, we just can't sustain that. And we can try our very hardest, but I would put money on that. It will show up in in a way. And for some people, it shows up as anxiety during the day. For some people, it shows up as insomnia in the night and sometimes a combination of both or other things. Mm. So we are good at distracting ourselves from our thoughts and feelings and emotions and anxieties and worries and whatnot. And are we ever? We're so
1: good at distracting yeah.
0: So one invitation and a starting point is like, even in this preconception or fertility journey or pregnancy is to find space. Now we often confuse our desire to reach a goal with a need to make a decision. One day when I'm less busy, I will one day when I have more time, I'll sleep when when. I'm
1: dead, but yeah,
0: (laughs) it's terrible, but important to recognize because Maybe that's what you learned about sleep, too. Maybe you learned that, yeah, you sleep in you're dead. If you sleep in you're lazy, Sleep is for, you know, weak people, badge of honor if like who's who's running on the least amount of sleep, right? So think about what that creates. It creates this like guilt around taking a break. And there's no way that your nervous system and body is going to feel safe at the end of the day or comfortable or familiar with the idea of not just slowing down, but actually stopping and being at peace for eight hours. We, right. Like, I, I don't mean to be again, flippant about it, but sometimes we just need to be radically honest. Yeah. And The question that I always come back to is like, for what, like, why, why are we killing ourselves at the convenience of others? And what are we hoping to teach our own children in that? So like, if you can appreciate or begin to be curious or open yourself to some of those patterns or beliefs, and this can happen like in very healthy family dynamics, this happens in the pa- the parents who love their children very much and are again, doing their best and have unconditional love and happy, healthy, functional homes. This isn't only for the dysfunctional and like toxic or childhood adverse events, right? It's yep. the subtle ways. And so if we aren't conscious of these patterns and belief, we're going to inherit them. We're going to embody them. We're going to repeat them. And then we're going to continue to teach that to our children.
1: There's so much in that. (laughs) I just want to highlight there's so much in that. And it just goes to show like we could talk about being great role models with sleep, but maybe you haven't had the role model with sleep. There's also, I hate using this term, Leah, but like the hustle culture for women, Mm -hmm. like, you know, especially if you're pregnant and you're the person growing the baby, there's no one else in the relationship that can grow the baby. Like it's you. Yeah. But you still have to uphold all of this. So at the time I'm recording this episode, I'm almost six months pregnant, and I'm sorry, I'm almost almost in my sixth month. Oh, it's so weird all the terminologies and the timeframes. Anyway, and I have said multiple times to people, I don't know how people live with fatigue. I don't know how people how ha- move through pregnancy with a full time job because. I'm fortunate enough that I could move parts of my day to be like, you know what? It's 12:30. I, I need to have a two o'clock. I need to have a two-hour nap. I need to go, I need to sleep because my I'm just falling asleep at my computer in the middle of the day because my body's so exhausted because I'm so fatigued. Because I did call the baby a leech once and Brenton wasn't very happy. I was like, it's like <laughs> a leech. It's sucking the life out of me. I need to rest. But the old me. 10 years ago would have been like, oh, no, push through. You can break through the barrier. And so there's so much in that. And I think it's great education that people focus on eating the right foods when they're pregnant or moving their body or making sure they get all of the work done so when the baby comes they can have a bit more time off. But sleep's so important, Mm -hmm. right? So -hmm. let's talk about sleep through pregnancy. Maybe let's Mm -hmm. focus on each of the three different trimesters. Yep. What does it look like? And what is the different changes that the body's going through hormonally
0: mm-hmm. through
1: pregnancy? Cause it's very different to outside of pregnancy.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first trimester is often accompanied by that overwhelming fatigue and increased sleep mm. drive. And it's good. almost instantaneous, right? You're like, I peed on the stick and I found out I'm pregnant and wow, I'm really tired. <laughs> And it's, it's real. And it's like a different level of fatigue for many women. Like you described, like, hold on, like full stop, cannot function, need to go and nap. So I, it is also really interesting because when you're forced almost into that, right? Like you'll listen if the, if the symptom is loud enough, if the discomfort is loud enough, you'll listen. Mm -hmm. So for most women based on the hormone changes and that huge surge in progesterone that starts to happen in particular in the first trimester, as well as the blood volume changes because your blood volume doubles in the first trimester. And while that's happening, you're relatively anemic, even if you haven't lost blood, right? Because your, your blood is just becoming thinner and your heart rate and your nervous system is working harder already, right? Because you've got more blood volume, but not necessarily like it takes about three or four months for your actual red red blood cell production to catch up. That's what is carrying the oxygen, right? So even when you're feeling like short of breath or weak or tired in the first trimester, and you're like, There's no way this can be happening. No, (laughs) no, it's happening, and that's why. Right? It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's so amazing, and with that, some yeah, some women are basically able to lean in, and maybe more willing to lean in, or or like you said, fortunate enough to have that experience of like, okay, this is just what needs to happen, but we aren't always familiar with the idea of listening to our body, right? Cause like you said, we're used to pushing through, we're used to figuring it out. So that can also be really hard for Mm -hmm. some women to like surrender. When I said that mother becoming a mother is like the most transformative experience. It's also a massive surrender experiment (laughs) of, of like, you cannot, you cannot control, right? Like so many things so many things. And I feel like there was something else I wanted to say about first trimester sleep, but it's escaping me.
1: Well, whilst I you're back. finding the escapee, I, I think in that first trimester, there's two ways, like the shamanic way of looking at pregnancy is that everything that like, that comes to the surface through your pregnancy is teaching you what you need to know for your birth mm. and your transition into motherhood. So mm. if that is sleep. It's sleep. If that is learning how to nourish yourself with food as opposed to just, I'm pregnant, I should just eat all the junk food. Like my partner said, Mm -hmm. I can't wait for the day I come home and you're eating a four-litre, which is a big tub of ice cream, on your belly and eating McDonald's. I was like, dude, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But that's the narrative, you know. Like, Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think people forget that what's arising right now is a lesson that you're going to need to learn to be able to become the mother that you need to be for the baby you're Mm -hmm. growing. Mm -hmm. So there's that shamanic aspect of it, but also something that was really highlighted to me in first trimester was the surrender, but also asking for help. And Mm -hmm. whether that's help that someone gives you for free, like a sibling comes and does something for free for you or you buy it, it's still asking for help. It does not matter. You know, mm-hmm. I think people forget like I wanted to prioritize going to bed earlier. I didn't want to have to stay up and do all the dishes and make meals after working throughout the day. So I was, I'm gonna pre-order meals and have them delivered to my house. So like mm. just little things like that can make a big difference to make a shift in the priority of something that's really important for you. So mm-hmm. thanks for sharing. Double blood volume, definitely a thing. Being mm-hmm. short, of blood, definitely mm-hmm. a thing. Great to know. So that's anything else for first trimester before we move on to the second trimester?
0: I think that's good. Yeah. I think it encompasses most most experiences. Mm.
1: And I think people forget I was quite shocked to, I knew this in my mind, but I was shocked to visually see it. So we've done one scan in our pregnancy and that was the middle, Mm. um, the middle scan that we chose to do and the middle of pregnancy scan. And I was so surprised. I knew it. Like, in my mind, I know that this happens. But when I saw it, I was like, holy fuck. So my body has built two lungs, two kidneys, mm-hmm. stomach, a brain, skin, eyes, lips, l- bones, little muscles. I know. It was such a, a humbling reminder seeing that to be like, so that's what my whole first trimester was doing. It was growing all of that. Well, that explains why, why I was so tired and things were shifting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And we're so used to validating ourselves on an external level based on how productive we are in a day, mm-hmm. yes. what we have to show and the surrender and the challenge of the first trimester is like. I'm really tired and I feel like I have nothing to show for it, but actually I grew a lung today. Totally. <laughs> right. And, and we don't, it's hard. It is really hard to like appreciate that or, or bring that into your conscious awareness because it it's, it's happening without you even thinking about it.
1: And you can't visually see it. It's not like a trophy you can put on your desk exactly. to be like, this is what I
0: did today. It's not a list exactly. you can check off. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is really what's, so fascinating about, I think, the first trimester. And then for most women, like the second is where they feel their best most commonly. Like you hit that sweet spot for me. It was around 14, 16 weeks in both pregnancies. Like I was lucky I didn't suffer a lot with nausea and the fatigue lifts. Like it was almost like a fog was lifted. I was getting great sleep. And because you're so comfortable for the most part around week 18 to 20 is when the baby starts building its skeleton, borrowing all of your calcium. (laughs) It's a leech. Yeah, I told you, babe. It's literally a leech. So it's taking your, uh, utilizing your stored calcium from your muscles and bones. So a common symptom is, is like cramps. Have have you had those yet? (laughs) Not too much, but I
1: definitely, I know personally, I sit on a higher intake of calcium than the average. Like, I probably do a higher dose, and I've done that for years. Like, yeah, like close to a decade, I've taken higher calcium. And I know a lot of women really have much, like, isn't the stat like between 80 and 95% Mm -hmm. of women are deficient in calcium? I would believe it. Like, huge amounts. And so for me, I know, especially because I haven't been a dairy consumer pre-pregnancy for years. That was an important thing for me. I knew I had to get externally and obviously mm-hmm. eating lots of sleepy greens, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had that too much. Right. But I know that a lot of women do get that. And Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Well, it's just, again, it exemplifies how our pregnancy journeys can be so different. And yes, mm-hmm. it's a common thing, but it doesn't mean it's normal. Yeah. So we always want to look at those pieces of like, well, what might be disturbing your sleep? And is it something noticeable and physical, like a full bladder? Do you need to change or alter your fluid intake? Or do you now need to sleep with a pillow between your legs? Cause that helps your low back and hips. Does, is it now supplementing, introducing a supplement of calcium or CalMag in addition to your prenatal so that you're still replenishing what's being bored from you because you're waking up with, we call them Charlie horses. Do you call them that? No. What is this? Tell me more. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It's just like, you know, when, if you've ever had like that wicked calf muscle, like seeds, Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. We call them Charlie horses.
1: Oh, wow. No, I don't if, know why. We don't that do up. that down under. That's a new thing.
0: That's what um, we say in Canada. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's so, no, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just it's one of those things
0: that yeah. that could be worth considering, or if you're like trying to do all the things right. And be preventative, especially in, in nature. And then the third trimester is where women will struggle because mostly of like, yes, hormone related changes, but those hormones creating more laxity in our joints. And that can create more like hip and pelvic floor, knee pain, discomfort, Mm. bladder, right? Like your bladder is being continuously smushed. So those are all very real things that we can do our best from that external environment, most likely to control or support. One of the things that's really important to highlight though, is that if you have difficulty sleeping and symptoms of insomnia, so the, the medical definition of insomnia is typically struggling with either taking more than 30 minutes to fall asleep or being awake for more than 30 minutes over the course of the night at one time. So like you wake up to go pee. And then when you come back, it takes you more than a half an hour to fall asleep for three or more nights a week for three months. Mm. So obviously pregnancy is like a shorter time period. So it might be a little bit challenging to to track that. And like, we don't want to wait three months, but most people will start to notice a more significant sleep disturbance or people who have pre-pregnancy sleep concerns and insomnia are much more likely to experience pregnancy-related sleep disturbances. Mm. And then those people or- people who have sleep disturbances in pregnancy, are then much more likely to suffer postpartum. Mm,
1: Sleep disturbances.
0: Yeah. And insomnia and then postpartum insomnia and sleep disturbances significantly increase risk for things like postpartum anxiety and depression. Mm. So we want to be like really mindful about these components. And the reason I listed that diagnostic kind of description there is that it's really important that we move away from collapsing things in medicine. And what we, what we do in many cases is say like, Oh, you're anxious or you're stressed, or you have a chronic pain disorder or neurological disorder, or like you name it. And you have trouble sleeping. You have trouble sleeping because of the other thing that's more Mm -hmm. obvious. Mm-hmm. Right? Louder, like creates more discomfort or complication in your health and history. So that might be true. We certainly can't completely separate them. But what we're understanding more and more in sleep medicine is. We no longer there's no longer the use of the terms primary and secondary insomnia. So primary would be like we can't otherwise explain this. You have difficulty sleeping. Secondary insomnia would have been like you have a, a pre existing condition and you have trouble sleeping and your your insomnia is secondary. So if we mm. fix air quotes the the condition the the, the then Slate theoretically cutting itself out. Yeah. Mm. But what we really understand, and this is observed in in the study of, of pregnancy and postpartum sleep related disturbances and insomnia too, is that it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter if you have the thing, the other condition, it doesn't matter if you're pregnant or if you're going through your fertility journey, or if you're in your postpartum, if you have trouble sleeping, we need to stop dismissing the reason or like making an excuse and just treat the sleep issue
1: so important and how would you like let's talk about sleep in like this sleep disturbances and insomnia whilst pregnant mm-hmm. what are some things that you could do to support that or as you mentioned treat
0: that yeah that you do yep. at home to give a go Totally. So when we look at things like behavioral therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, which is actually the primary thing, it's all about understanding how your cognitions influence your behaviors and how that creates your outcome and result. Right. So when we're looking at something like sleep in pregnancy at any point in the trimester or three trimesters, we want to understand like, what are your behaviors and thoughts around sleep as well? So are you connecting with your body and, and listening and recognizing like, oh, I'm tired. I do need to prioritize sleep. And maybe what I wanted to say earlier was along the line of like, yes, you are fortunate Gemma to have been able to create that shift in your schedule and take that nap. But you also created that and worked damn hard to get there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you made a choice and we all make choices. And sometimes we make the choice not to choose. Totally, but we need to recognize that that's a choice too. Mm-hmm. And it's actually hard either way. Like, that's what I want to, to say the most is like, it's hard when we're living that life of like in the toxic relationship or toxic job and we're not sleeping because of it. And it's also hard to make the, the choices to get out of the toxic job or the, the lack of fulfillment right in the job or the relationship or whatever. But what if that is the thing that helps you sleep better at night? Mm. Right. And when we lose that tolerance or our filter is like maybe lifted ever so slightly, if we're willing to have a shift in perception in these different life stages, then in pregnancy, it's a beautiful opportunity to examine some of those things right? So if if sleep is that ultimate gauge of your nervous system, and now you're waking up to pee, but then end up ruminating or worrying, or like having repetitive thoughts about things that are on your mind, that's okay. That's actually exactly what you need to work on and examine and sit with and be curious with as difficult and challenging as that might be. Mm, There's
1: so much in that. (laughs) There really is. And I wish wish it was like, well, just do this thing. Like, yeah. Right. Just
0: unplug, just turn off your phone. That's it.
1: <laughs> and you know, something that a great mentor of mine said, taught me years ago is that it's easy to do, but it's also easier not to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's easier to go, it's easy to go to bed early, but it's also easy not to go to bed early. And mm-hmm. I think it just comes back to, I feel is that how you approach your pregnancy and the lessons that are coming up for you in your pregnancy are opportunities mm. for you to, put yourself first right now, Mm -hmm. or you can't put yourself first. Mm -hmm. And if you can help support them, and that means that you do ask for help or you surrender or you let go of something, like the list can wait, you know, like the work can wait. And it's not a forever thing. It's just a right now thing. And Mm -hmm. so how can you make it wait just two days, not forever, just waiting just a little bit or wait five hours to reply to that email so that you can go and have a little nap, or you can take some time to sit outside and quiet your nervous system. And Mm -hmm. I think people forget that however you feel or whatever you're feeling, however your nervous system is right now, that's also the same nervous system the body's receiving. Sorry, the baby's receiving. So it's, you know, if I'm having an emotional breakdown, the baby's feeling my emotional breakdown. If I'm feeling trauma, my baby's feeling trauma. If I'm feeling exhausted, my baby could feel exhausted. And so that's the the beautiful journey of pregnancy. I feel is it's learning
0: to be the mother. Yeah. Uh Mm. Do you know what I think this is actually about? This is about surrendering and almost being forced into the feminine, Mm -hmm. the divine feminine right? When you are pregnant, it is so loud and in your face and in your body, right? Like truly growing and nurturing another human being. And like the incredible body changes that occur, (laughs) love your breasts now (laughs) and after, but especially love them now. But like, I felt so feminine. And I think that was the loss of tolerance. Like that was like, I am in my truth, my authentic self. I cannot hold anything else. Because I'm not even willing to entertain it because I have this incredible human being inside of me who I want to love and nourish and grow and will do anything to like protect and serve, but it does not serve them. If you sacrifice yourself in the meantime mm, or to exactly. create that, you're going to hear my little kind of background right now. Yeah, that's it's all part of the pregnancy series. It's all part of it, but yeah. Can I have one, one thing on top of that? Yes. Before we wrap up, we are so used to as women operating in our masculine mm. energy. We are so used to being productive. Like we talked about, right. Showing up in the way that we're supposed to, whatever that is, like a traditional nine to five schedule responding right away to the email or the text, or like doing the thing, producing the thing, putting ourselves out there, not just showing up the same as yesterday, but actually it should be better right? Like, and you you deeply know this, we operate on that twenty eight day cycle and in pregnancy, it shifts. And it's not like men who operate on a different time schedule and cycle. And so the opportunity there is to like reconnect and really lean into, I think that feminine nature. And I think that there's like a little bit more willingness to do that in pregnancy because of what's happening. And it's an incredibly beautiful thing. And when you do that, and when you are curious about what the feminine is and and what that can be for you and how that can help you feel more whole, right. And can make you feel like you're showing up as your best self to be the best mom, wife, partner, person you want to be. That's what actually creates resilience in your kids. Yeah. Who you can probably hear in the (laughs) background. Like that is, that is what creates resilience because I, I can show up as, as, as this podcast. So I'm in, I'm in Canada and it's at 7.00 PM now. So we're moving into like bedtime. It's, is it 8.00 AM for you, Gemma?
1: Nine.
0: 9.00 AM. Right. So the reason I can do this is because I'm willing to accept help from my incredible husband who took the kids out for an hour. So we could have this important conversation and what did my son ask me? For? Mommy, can you just come outside for a bit? And I was like, no, but I got a work call. But after this call, I'm going to sit with him. I'm going to tell him like, do you know what? I talked with somebody in Australia tonight <laughs> and he's going to find that so cool. And he's going to feel so proud of me and so excited. And, and like, now I get to give him permission to do and create his life on his terms, what he feels most fulfilled and excited by. Right. So Yes, if you are going through fatigue and exhaustion and stress and anxiety and trauma in your pregnancy, you don't, don't stress too much over the stress because b- babies and kids are inherently so resilient mm. and there's, there's, there is still lots of time and opportunity to teach them <laughs> love and like you, you will just be their greatest comfort as you can hear. So it's, it's an incredible journey and like, yeah, we could talk about all the things in the behavior behavioral pieces, which are really important, but I love how you had the angle of like, it's easy to stay up and it's easy to go to bed. That's actually such a much more of a positive spin of like, it's hard to do that or hard to Right. Mm. But the, I think the, the difference, like why are, why do some people find it easier to do the easy thing that they feel called to is because they're like willing to, to just like, to show up for themselves.
1: Yeah. You're spot on. And I think it's also the allowing, like allowing yourself to shift and evolve and change as opposed to being the static same all the time. Like men are the static and the same, whereas women are ever like ever evolving. And I think that the more that we can adapt into that, I think we can also remember that pregnancy is a preparation for birth and how you turn up in your pregnancy, how you allow, how you surrender will be demonstrated in your birth altar and your birth portal as you enter that birthing space. So yeah, there's so much in that. And I think to summarize for sleep is to listen to your body. I think that it really comes down to that. And Mm -hmm. if you're not pregnant yet and you have the intention to be pregnant in the future, whether that's in a month's time, a year's time, 10 years time is to track your menstrual cycle and start listening to your body so that when it comes to listening to your body through pregnancy, you have a much louder ear like you hear everything much, much more intently. Dr. Leah, this has been amazing. And I know the kids are calling. So how can everybody connect with you and find Mm -hmm. you and learn more about you Mm -hmm. if they're like, holy Mm -hmm. moly, who is this Canadian woman?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Come hang out on Instagram. I'm sure you'll have everything linked up on the show notes. So my first name is Leah, L-E-I-G-H-A. And I'll just leave it to you to link me in all the places, but I'm most active and engaged on Instagram and we can link my website and tools and resources that I have for people there. Mm-hmm. I want to leave your listeners with something practical to like, Please. not just leave like feeling, okay, great, I got to go and do all this stuff, <laughs> like inner work. So the, one of the most important things we see in sleep medicine is, is keeping a consistent wake up time. Mm. So that can be really challenging, especially if you've had a poor night's sleep, but what it does is help establish and anchor your circadian rhythm. And if you keep a consistent wake up time, even after a bad night's sleep, you're more likely to fall asleep easier, faster that night and to stay asleep the following night. So Mm. this is not necessarily applicable to that postpartum phase where it's like, get the sleep when you can, if you can, like, don't worry about that. But in pregnancy, if you're struggling and and not sleeping well, do, yes, we need to like listen to our body and get rest, but creating some consistency for you might be indicated because consistency also helps regulate our nervous system. Predictability helps regulate our nervous system. So that is one piece. And for some reason we're often taught, again, I think it's that parenting and like bedtime for kids is such a predictable and consistent time that we translate that into adulthood and think like, Oh, I need to be in bed and asleep by a certain time. But I always like to say like, we can force ourselves to wake up and get up. It's hard, but we can do that. We can never actually force ourselves to fall asleep. Yeah.
1: Right. So So
0: it's more important for you to pick that consistent wake up time and have that. And then recognize when you're tired in the evening. And that is that feeling of sleep pressure, which maybe is more familiar if you've been recently been like for you and your in your first trimester, like your eyes are heavy, your head is heavy. You could quickly fall asleep. It's better that you stay up a bit late because you've done intentional decompression. You've had a chance to unwind from your day or you're doing something that feels fulfilling, like reading a book or journaling or whatever rather than just getting into bed because it's a certain time. And then when we pair that in with like waking up at a consistent time and getting morning light and decreasing the overhead lights in the evening and connecting back with darkness and, you know, reading under low lighting, instead of being on our phones, like it's not just one thing. It's how it all interrelates And then when you're in in that evening piece, like you spoke of, of, of putting your phone down, like now you're, it's one way of moving away from looking for that external gratification, external validation, external, which we are just on all the time to being like, actually, what do I need in my body right now? And when you practice that, because it is a practice, it might feel uncomfortable at first, you learn how to trust your body and what it's asking for. And most of us and many of the women who I work with really need to heal our, our, our trust with ourselves. We could do a whole podcast episode on that. Anyways, maybe we will in the future (laughs) when you're, when you are a mother and your time is more in demand, you, you will be that, that like choice piece becomes much more, you have to be quicker. At making the choices, I think is what I want to say of like, I need something. And this is the only time that I have to do it, take it or leave it. Yeah. Right. So practice, listening, responding, following through, and it becomes easier over and over. Glennon Doyle, the author of untamed says, as she explains what she likes to call our inner knowing or your intuition. It's like, your goal is to listen to the knowing and follow through on the doing and shorten the time it takes in between Mm. over and over and over. I love that. It's not verbatim, but it's the essence is there. So Mm. I will leave you with that.
1: Well, that is it. And I just want to say, thank you so much. It's easy to do. It's also easy not to do. So you get to choose which aspect you want to follow there. Dr. Lee, you're amazing. And I know everyone's gained so much from this beautiful chat about sleep and all things around sleep, our behavior and our beliefs. So thank you for being here Mm -hmm. again and again and again. It's such an honor and I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Woman Podcast. For everything we mention in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode, come and follow me over on Instagram at underscore say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.